Hey folks, welcome to the Astrology Show. This is Kira, your host. Super stoked to bring this episode to you today. We just finished recording it. Um, it's another Venusian Afternoons. I have three awesome astros with me. Um, Charm Taurus, who is a friend of the show. She's been on three times already. Um, and then two new faces, Catherine Urban and Rob Bailey. Um, if you are on Astro Twitter, you probably know both of them. But yeah, I'm super stoked to um, share space with all three of them today. Let's see, do we have any, um, what are they called, uh, things for me to tell you? <laughs> yeah, so we, um, uh, I have a big announcement, but I'm not going to share it with you. Oh, here comes the, here comes the, um, <laughs> the lawnmower, so let me make this quick. Um yeah, I have an announcement that I'll be announcing on social media on Tuesday, March 29th. So keep an eye out for that. It's about a summit that we have coming up. Um, and I'm really stoked to share more. So look out for that. Um, and again, I have some really cool um, workshops coming up in April. One in person in LA on April 16th another one in person in New York on April 23rd. Um, be sure you're on my mailing list because I'm going to be sending out more information about that there. Um, and also I, I made the decision to stop putting too much effort into social media. So I won't be announcing, I'll probably still be announcing stuff on social media, but the truth is, is that it's my stuff isn't really being shown to my followers anymore. Um, like less than 5% of my followers see my posts at this point. So, um, I'm, I'm relying less on getting the word out via social media. So yeah, be sure you're on my mailing list. Um, if you aren't yet, um, check out like the astrology.com slash links and the top link is, um, a, as a free PDF download, um, of, a houses guide, a guide to the 12 houses. So that will put you on my list and you get a free PDF, you know, <laughs> um, for doing it. And it's really pretty. So yeah, um, get on my list. I have more to announce. Oh, I am hosting a retreat in France <laughs> this summer, um, June 23rd through the 27th in Basque country, France. And, um, really stoked about that. We have five or six spots left at this point. So, and half of them are gone. Half of the, more than half of them are taken at this point. So if you're interested in that, again, make sure you're on my mailing list. I'll be sending out another email about that soon. Um, and yeah, I'll be in New York for the last two weeks of the month. So I'm really excited or yeah, the last week or so of the month of April. So I'm excited to see folks in New York. I'll be hosting that workshop, like I said, but also um, just hosting a, a free gathering as well. So if you're in New York or in the area and you want to come hang, um, definitely check that out. And yeah, let me leave you with this episode. Um, I really hope you enjoyed it. It was a really, really good one. I'm excited for you to hear it. So enjoy. 
Hey friends, welcome to, I think this is Venusian Afternoons number three, um, Friday, March 25th. I have three awesome astros with me, Rob Bailey, Charm Torres, and Catherine Urban. Um, and I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. And of course, we have a bunch of 11th housers here with us live. Hi, 11th housers. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Um, so yeah, where do we begin? I guess we begin with introductions, right? And my favorite part, I love, I love hearing the SMRs um, and like talking about how we know each other. I don't know why that's just... That's like a fun part for me. <laughs> so let's start with Charm because you are <laughs> returning um, to the show. When, you haven't been on the show for a while, though. I guess the last one was the BTS episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. No, I feel like uh, the South Node transits have made me kind of disappear a little bit. Uh, but I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah, everyone, I'm Charm Taurus. I'm... I'm I'm here currently in the unceded Coast Salish territory in an idyllic island in Victoria, Canada. So I'm up north. <laughs> um, I don't actually, sh I stopped sharing my SMR, but um, it's not a secret. But I will share that I am an Aries because my birthday is on March 27. So, <laughs> um, so my birthday is coming up. That's exciting. And I guess I know Kira definitely through the very friendly, you know, interwebs through Twitter. But we ended up connecting in person at Norwalk 2019. That was pretty iconic because it was like yeah. the pre-pandemic times. Mm -hmm. And um, and since then, we've, you know, we've connected in so many different ways. Um I guess in terms of my work, I am a professional astrologer, tarot reader. I also write. Uh, most of my work is through one-on-one -on -one consultations. And these days, what I'm kind of really excited about and want to put out more is I want to work more with folks who um, are processing a lot of migration grief and uh, diaspora stories. So I do a lot of locational <clears throat> astrology readings. And so I kind of want to focus on that a lot this year, actually, because I'm doing some research, which I'm hopefully wanting to get like some grant funding as well as uh, share it to the astrology community. So, so yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's so exciting to hear. Yeah, I, I had a locational year ahead reading with you. Yes. I don't remember when. I it think must it was have been last sometime year. last year. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I mean, I know it was last year. It must have been last fall. Um, I'm doing a lot of rereading, re-listening to reading, so I'm going to make nice. sure I, I get that one um, as I'm about to go travel abroad and try to find a new home. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, highly recommend Charms, um, Charms readings, especially for folks who are looking to relocate or if you have relocated. Um, you're super talented in that. And I'm excited that you're doing, you're continuing that work. Thank you. Yeah, I really want to, I, I was thinking like, who are the people I really want to work with a lot? Like people who are like dealing with a lot of their um, ancestral uh, veneration work, as well as the grief of disconnection. And I feel like that's kind of how I want to really use 
relocational astrology a lot, in addition to helping people relocate as well. Those are always fun um, and, you know, get to sit down with people, think about their goals and intentions. Um, yeah. Awesome. And yeah, it was really special meeting at Norwalk. We have, I'm not going to say which placements, but we do have a lot of similar placements, yeah. <laughs> like totally. very similar. So it was really, it was really lovely. Um, yeah. Thank, oh, and I'll, I'll just mention you were on season one. Um, we did an episode with Diana Rose Harper oh. about Venus, which was yes. really special. And here we are again doing Venusian afternoon. I can't avoid Venus. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, dev- devoted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you also came on to do an episode with a bunch of astros about BTS, which is a really fun mm-hmm. one, too. Oh, and also the locational astrology episode. Oh, yeah, of Alyssa. course. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've, you've been on the show. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Catherine, hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, if you are comfortable sharing your SMR and talking a little bit about your practice. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm Catherine Urban, and my SMR is Libra Sun, Scorpio Moon, Cancer Rising. So I'm a very subterranean nocturnal chart. Um, and the bulk of my practice is informed by an eclectic blend of astrology. I started out way back in the modern tradition and of course expanded into the traditional and classical branches of astrology. Um, But I have a background as a hairstylist. So for years and years and years, I used to talk to people all day long. So that's something I've been able to translate into my work as an astrologer. And so that's the most fulfilling area of work for me is working one-on-one with people So I do a lot of consultations and I really aim to try to help people take advantage of the energies available to them. So a lot of my one-on-one sessions are focused around the year ahead, what sort of transits or progressions are coming in right now, and how can we best work with that. Um, But I am the type of astrologer who is just fascinated by all astrology. I don't consider myself to specialize in a particular area. I just keep keep wanting to gobble up more and more astrology. And so I offer all kinds of services. I do electional, I do horary, I do rectification. Um, and I just continue to be excited by new techniques. And it's a really cool time to be an astrologer right now. We're basically in a little renaissance happening. So it's so cool to see all kinds of people in our community coming out with new techniques and perspectives. And yeah, it's a blast. Awesome. Yeah. I, I don't remember how we first started connecting. (laughs) I think it was when I first joined Twitter in like 2018, we just have been Twitter, social media friends. Like, I just feel like we've been connecting ever since I joined Astro Twitter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's like, I don't remember any, like an exact moment, but yeah, I just remember we've been, I wasn't sure if it was Instagram or Twitter or what, cause you're, we're both on both, but it's nice to finally be able to like talk and, and not IRL, but like, you know, next, next best thing. Close I guess. enough. Close <laughs> enough. Yeah, I know one thing we connected on is our Venus placement. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so you have, 
Sun, Venus. Do you have any other planets in Libra? Yeah, I have Mercury in Libra. Okay. Wow. And yeah, yeah the beauty, the beauty aspect, the um, hairstyling, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and you said you're, you're a Cancer Rising? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you have a baby, Yes. Right? Yes. That's a huge part of my life, my non-astrology life. I have um, a daughter who's almost two. Oh my and, God. Yeah. And she's just, she is everything. She's just, you know, I've been like, especially like coming out of Pisces season, just totally enamored with this little being. And she's, she's my whole world. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing like when you post pictures of her and just your family, it makes me so happy. And she is oh. like a similar, doesn't she have like a cancer placement that is the same as yours or something? We have the same rising and it, okay. it that rising sign runs in my family. So yeah, we're both cancer risings and she got a, she got a Libra moon from me. So. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I had, I've, I've had moms, I don't know if you've, or any of you guys have, have had this before, but I've had moms reach out to me, um, and be like, Hey, I have a, I have to pick a day for my C-section, like out of these three or four days, like which one should I choose? Um, which is always kind of, it's exciting for me, but also, you know, it's nerve wracking. And I had a friend who is a cancer rising and I picked her baby's birthday. I didn't pick the time, um, but the baby ended up also being a cancer rising, which I thought was really funny. It's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks. For, oh yeah. We already talked about how we knew each other. Am I forgetting something? No. Um, cool. Thanks. I was going to say, I feel like you can do a whole episode on the ethics of electing birth. That would be a spicy I know. Oh my God. Yeah, it would. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm like, I don't want to know what people on YouTube will want to, will say to me if, <laughs> if I do that episode. True. <laughs> um, tend to have pretty good YouTube comments. Only every now and then I get weirdos, but that one might be, that one might be challenging. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Kira, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited and just feel really happy to be here with everyone today. Me too. Yeah, and you're in Australia, so it's while well, it's 1:15 p.m. on the east on the west coast of of um, the U.S. And Catherine, where are you? And oh yeah, Chicago? so that's what we were forgetting. So I'm uh, on the north coast. I'm by the Great Lakes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're what? It's like 3 p.m. or something for you around four. there. Yeah. Four. four. Okay. Yeah. Um, and overall, all the way on the other side of the world where <laughs> Rob is, it's like 7 a.m. So thank you for joining us so early. Yeah. No, no. Happy to be here. Yeah. It's funny because it's like Venus, Venus afternoons, but it's like a Saturn morning for me out here. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, coming from, I'm like I'm the Australian correspondent. I guess, from the other side <laughs> of the world that. today. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, mm, that's my SMR. So I've got Aries rising, uh, Sagittarius sun, Gemini moon. Uh, oh, so wow. lots, of air, lots of air and fire. Um, and uh, yeah, like in terms of my practice, um, I'm really focused at the moment on kind of mm, reviving and reconstructing medieval astrology and combining that with 
modern counseling skills and like the psychological astrology perspective from like the 20th, 21st century and kind of trying to, you know, add some psychological stuff back to medieval astrology and mixing those two together. Um, I'm very focused on horary astrology at the moment, which is uh, the, the art of answering specific questions using astrology. Um, and what I'm doing is working with historical texts, primarily from the Islamicate world, 8th and 9th century, um, like MashaAllah, Salvin Bisha, and um, trying to figure out how those people used astrology uh, and then bring that back into the modern world and, and, uh, and shed some light on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I also do birth chart readings, uh, again, using primarily medieval astrology techniques, but then I'm bringing those techniques and I'm applying like the modern counseling skills to that and also focusing a bit on, well, how did the, how did the medieval astrologers assess what we call psychology today? Uh, astrology of personality and character and things like that. So I'm kind of, yeah, on this little quest to, to bring medieval astrology back, but also, you know, get the best stuff from the more modern traditions of astrology in terms of that care for the client, that psychological concern, and, uh, and try and sort of mix the two in a, in a big pot and see what happens with the result. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's my practice. It's hard to sort of summarize because I'm just doing so much. I'm so busy at the moment between like in the early stages of preparing to teach this stuff, um, doing readings like every other day, and trying to get some sleep in the middle of all that as well, which is tricky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I kind of like, um, I feel like when I think of you and your work, definitely there's a medieval, <coughs> isn't your, isn't your like business name <laughs> something to do with that? Yeah, so I, uh, like when I was branding oh, old myself. Old school astrology, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> For a while I was going to, I was t tossing up different names. It's pretty funny. Like, I think I wanted to do like the old astrology or something, but then that like URL was taken. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, Can I ask where your Saturn is? I'm, I'm very curious. Oh yeah. So I've got a pretty strong Saturn. It's probably the most powerful planet in my birth chart. So it's in the seventh house, it's angular. It's in Libra. So it's exalted. Oh, wow. um, so yeah, that Saturn's doing a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting for me and yeah, I definitely, I can definitely see that in my life in many different ways, but the interest in history and like old stuff has been there since I was like, you know, eight, nine years old. Mm -hmm. I remember like getting books out about ancient Greeks and stuff like that from the library when I was like a little kid, just scouring the shelves, looking for something to read that was like about the past. Um, so like my love of history was there first, you know? And then when I discovered astrology, I was like, oh, cool, there's this like whole angle to astrology that's like historical perspective, traditional stuff, just like inspired me so much. And I don't think I've ever really stopped being passionate about that. Um, but like that being said, like, you know, I'm also um, really interested in, uh, you know, using, those, using that material responsibly, updating it for modern people, modern perspective, um, because like while the techniques are really cool, obviously the culture back then is entirely different and in some ways like, Mm, not super great for pe human beings. So I kind of want to um, like update it and make it like relevant and helpful for people in the modern world with the, like the problems that we have today, you know? Awesome. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And yeah, cause I was going to say when I think 
of you. I very much associate you with your horary practice. Of course, you do a lot more than that, but you're about to start teaching. Um, yeah. And you're, the way that you do horary is um, rooted in a tradition that's not necessarily the most like popular, right? Um, which mm-hmm. I think would be like the Lily, William Lilly tradition. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yes. So, so that's one thing that I've, I'm a little bit different in terms of how I do horary. Because um, I, I started out with that tradition. So most, I don't know, I'm going to talk about a little bit of history, but um, I guess that's just what I, what I do, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, when, when traditional astrology came back in the 80s and 90s, um, a big part of that was this Renaissance astrology, um, particu- particularly the, this uh, English astrologer, William Lilly, who wrote in the 17th century. Um, uh, it was like, I think, the first complete textbook on astrology in English. Um, so it's easy to sort of pick that up and read it. Well, not easy, but compared to like something in Latin or Greek, it's, you can just pick it up and read it, you know. Uh, and he was very interested in horary. So this huge revival of horary began in the 80s and 90s due to his his work. Um, and he, he was practicing right at the end of the tradition, if you like, like the end of the traditional kind of period. and Or maybe even you could call it like the start of the modern period. Um, and astrology changed a lot. You know, horary kind of began around the 8th, 9th century CE in in like uh, in the Islamic world, and then you've got this sort of like long 800 year history, uh, and the t- the practice kind of changed and developed over that over that period as you'd expect. Um, I started out learning that William Lilly style, if you like, of horary, and then uh, with uh, different writers bringing out older texts like Ben Dykes and people like that, I um I started to read these older books, you know, and and trying to sort of get my head around the astrology in those books because it was very different to what I, I was used to with the Renaissance stuff. And, um, yeah, trying to sort of understand that material and notice the differences and really hone in on those differences and trying to understand how, how the tradition changed and, and, and evolved over time has been, like, my, my passion project, I guess, ever since. And, um, yeah, I really focused, like I said, on that, on that really early stuff. Like, kind of in the same way that, like, the Hellenistic astrology... Um, is, is like the earliest, you know, natal astrology that we have. And that's taken mm-hmm. people's imaginations and just really captured people. Um, it's a fascinating thing to look at. You know, how did this stuff start? Well, I'm kind of doing the same thing with horary. Like, where did this stuff come from? And, and what were the earliest practitioners doing? And how did they conceptualize it? And how did they do it? That's so exciting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Super exciting. Um, someone who doesn't doesn't really know horary, but uses it whenever I lose something. Um, (laughs) That's the number one thing, isn't it? It works so well, even if you don't really know what you're doing. If you know, look for L2. It's pretty, it works really well. But anyway, I'm really excited for that. Um, And yeah, hopefully have you on the show eventually to talk more about it. Thank Um, you. Yeah, that'd be really exciting. And we know each other from Twitter. I I know that. (laughs) <laughs> Are you going to make it to any of the um, conferences this year? It would be my dream to travel to the U.S. and actually meet up with with some of you lovely people in person because I feel like my com- my community for astrology is primarily people who live so far away from me in 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 America for the most part, and I've developed some like really uh, like supportive and like close friendships with people through. Yeah, through meeting people like yourself and, and, and Charm and Catherine through Twitter. Um, but I feel this like this distance and this kind of like separation at the same time, which 
I'm hoping to really bridge at some point. Uh, this year, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I've, I'm getting married. I've got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, but maybe, maybe in a year or two's time, once like uh, there's just less going on in my in my personal life, it will be more possible to, mm-hmm. yeah, hop on a plane and um, and come out. And I think Norwalk would be the Norwalk's the one, right? Right, everyone. This yeah. is the that's the, that's the <laughs> conference to go to. That's For what sure. the vibe I'm getting from people. Yeah. So. That's, that's exciting you're getting married, though. Congrats. Yeah. I think actually, I knew that, but I can't remember if I knew. I knew that you were dating someone and you were, like, super, super in love. So oh. it doesn't surprise me. It's so <laughs> yeah, exciting. It's, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's actually coming up, like, within the next few weeks. Oh, um, wow. I was going to – I mean, obviously you elected it, but I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if you elected it or did you get another astrologer, too? I elected it. Um, and then – but I think it might have been a bad call because now I just an- agonize over whether I picked the right time, whether there's a better time. Like, because yeah. I, I tried to use that Jupiter Venus conjunction that's coming up mm. in Pisces. I thought like, what a great mm. opportunity, like to have just this powerful combo of benefics, yeah. both in there, like, like one of the, some of the best places for them in the whole Zodiac and conjunct like, so Oh, you know, at Venus's exaltation, like, yeah, yeah. I actually elected that day for my wedding years back. I'm single. (laughs) I'm not getting married, (laughs) but (laughs) I I, I have another wedding date in 2024. (laughs) Hopefully I'll meet someone before then and get married. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it is such a really beautiful day. But then I noticed it was an eclipse and I was like, can't get married. Right. Uh (laughs) Everything else about that exact conjunction date on the day of the eclipse looks really perfect, but then it's an eclipse. So my friend's actually getting married. She, she actually already got married, but they're having their wedding that day. And it's Mm. like happens to be in her seventh house. And I was like, I know you don't know this, but (laughs) the the eclipse is in her seventh. Anyway, Rob, sorry. I, not to, I'm not asking you to say, say your wedding date, but I'm curious about uh, that process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, let's just say it's intense. Not quite as intense as picking like a baby's birth chart. That sounds like way too much power for anyone <laughs> to have. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like I keep looking at that chart and going, I think I had to make a tough call between having like the ruler of the ascendant good or the moon good, you know? Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go with the moon, I think. Mm. Because I think that's more like fundamental, but you know, then I just agonize like, is that the right call? Like, but ultimately, I feel like you know, we've already been living together and like you know, co-parenting and stuff for like years and years. So, um, like, like really, like the chart for our relationship is probably like you know, years ago. (laughs) You know, like this is just another step. Right. So I try to calm myself down. Like you know, the whole future of my relationship doesn't depend on this chart you know it also depends on like our like intention and how we like how we like approach each other and trust and all of that good stuff so that's such a good point though about agonizing about your own work like i i i studied horary for two years but it's definitely something that i don't feel comfortable (coughs) doing my own (laughs) even even at lectional i have like the basic skills but i always like delegate to other pros to do it for me because i'm just not I don't have time to <laughs> to like take care of my mental health while I uh, figure out my own work. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. It definitely that. can keep me up at night sometimes. Like when I don't hear back from the person who I did the horary for, I'm like, you know, how did it go? How did things turn out? Did they did they like my analysis? Like that always. I always try to encourage people to 
um, write back and tell me how it went so that I'm not like wondering like how, you know, how did that horary play out? That's mm-hmm. smart. I should have, yeah. I should, cause I've, I did a lot of, um, not a lot, but I did a couple wedding elections in 2020 before, which made me quit altogether because um, <laughs> it was so stressful to elect weddings in 2020. Yeah. And people were like, you know, one, one couple was like, we want to get married in like between August and September. And it was like Mars station, square set, like all the things. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hopefully it went well. I don't know. I just I just elected an astrologer's wedding actually recently that just passed, and so I mean it looked like it was a beautiful day. Yeah, but it's it's nerve wracking, which is why I don't do it anymore. There's also um, so many inception points in weddings. Um, mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, signing the papers. Yeah, like there's the whole thing, saying that I do versus like when the wedding actually starts, like. Yeah, yeah, imagine I, people with different cultural practices too. That would just like add more layers. That was something mm-hmm. I was electing a wedding mm-hmm. in Pakistan, um, yeah. and they wanted it in 2020. And I, I basically gave them like a bunch of dates, and I was like, "If you can wait till January, though, <laughs> like at least it's a little better." <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I gave them dates in January too. But yeah, because exactly that. There's like all these different. You know, mm-hmm. you can't do it on this day of the week, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but different anyway, let's start to talk. Well, actually, I wanted to see you guys all know each other just through Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even so, though I've officially departed Twitter last right. the last Mercury retrograde, like September 2021. <laughs> Every time there's a Mercury retrograde, some shit Twitter goes. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter goes insane. Yeah, it's so true. Um, yeah. I've streamlined this- a lot of my social media presence because I just feel like my attention is like such a scarce Mm -hmm. resource in my life so Mm -hmm. but I definitely I I miss I I joined Astro Twitter like 2017 that that moment felt really sweet because I think there was just like very little people that was kind of convening in that part of the interwebs but it has grown like remarkably since Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot it's a lot now. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully we'll all be together one day in some like beautiful, magical astro camp um, scenario. Looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about this astro. Let's talk about yes. this weather. All right. Um, oh, actually, I wanted to ask you, Rob, this is really random, but I just like yeah. to know people's ascendant rulers. What, where's your Mars? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm Aries rising, but my Mars is in Virgo. So, oh, cool. So not your typical, like, Aries rising, I guess. Um, I think people always think of Aries rising as, like, I don't know, like a barbarian is going to kick a door down with a battle axe <laughs> in their head or something like that, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm just uh, Mars in Virgo, so, like, just a very energetic nerd, basically. And, but there's the intuition <laughs> there. I feel like the, the Aries yeah. Rodeo, like, mm-hmm. is really, yeah, the person but who I just went pals. to. You know, with with your work, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, go Mars ahead. Mars in the sixth. Oh, so, sixth house, sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. <clears throat> um, so one thing I'm really concerned about is my health at the moment. <laughs> mm. We can get to that later, but um, yeah, <laughs> Mars in the sixth. It's like, okay, how do I, how am I like making bad health choices in my life right now? <laughs> um, and trying to like address some of that at the moment. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a good placement for, for like nerding out over like old books and like you know thumbing oh, through sure. texts and just like 
you know, not giving up in that quest to like study something. Yeah. Uh, I adore people with their um, ascendant rulers in dark houses. Mm. I feel like there's a kind of depth to, to you folks. Yeah. Oh, I for love sure. that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just started talking to a guy who has that Mar or yeah, Mars at like twenty nine Virgo and I just I saw his chart like a couple hours ago and I'm like, Oh, cool. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm a stand for Virgo placements, um, personally, yeah. so Anyway, okay. Speaking of Aries, we all know. Catherine, you don't have Aries placed. Do you have any Aries placements? I have some decent Aries placements. Yeah, I've got Jupiter in Aries. I've got my okay. midheaven, and I've got my North, North Node. Node. Yep, yep. Okay, cool. So we all have Aries placements. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a sorry, Charm, but I, I won't say which one. <laughs> no, I did say I'm a Sun in Aries. Oh, you did. Okay, my okay. Birthday's coming up. I also have so Mercury have in Aries. Moon. So okay, we have Sun Moon <laughs> rising. My Moon's there. Um, and Catherine has a couple placements too. Yeah. So perfect, oh. perfect place to start is Aries season. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I was literally um, in the sky in a hot air balloon when Aries season began. <laughs> I might have been on the ground at that point, but I was in the sky that morning. And that shift was so palpable. Um, the sun entering its, its exaltation, it just felt so good good and I've been I've been pretty down in the dumps for <laughs> for a couple months maybe but just yeah there's something about an exalted sun to really like to really lift your spirits literally right that's <laughs> exalted sun lifting the spirits um yeah do you guys have any reflections on the equinox and just airy season thus far yeah mm. yeah I mean I where I live here in um, like the northern part of the United States, I get all four seasons. And so I know this is going to be much different for Rob down in Australia. But yeah. <laughs> here where I live, it's when the flowers start to bloom and the warmth of the sun. I, I love thinking about the sun <laughs> exalted in Aries just coming in to bring that sort of um, vitality and energetic force and where I live, it shows up in the weather too. Um, so we've been getting outside, which has been great because as I mentioned, I have a baby. And so we have been, and, and, you know, she's, she's a baby, she's not vaccinated. So we've been playing it pretty safe and everything like that throughout this whole journey. But, um, so of course with the weather getting nicer, we've been outside, we've been going for walks, we've been going to the playground. I've been watching her go down slides and go on the swing. So there's just like this joy and vitality back in our house. And I I'm so excited for summer now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How That's about so you, Rob? Oh, I'm loving having the sun in Aries. Seriously. I'm so I'm in a a fifth house, like Leo year by perfection oh, of the ascendant. Fine. So I'm really feeling these sun transits. It's really fascinating to sort of see just that regular plotting motion of the sun through each sign really correlates with things in my life in this, in this like Leo year. It's been fascinating. And like sun in Pisces for me has just been me being sick for like weeks and weeks at 12th house yeah. sun transit for me. Um, uh, I had like one and a half weeks off work because I was sick and then I got better for two days and I got sick again for another like one and a half weeks. Oh God. Um, and then I was like, I was praying like, come on, just get into Aries. I know it's going to be better. And it was, it was funny how 
perfect that was. The pretty much the the moment that the sun moved into Aries, like that around a day or two after that, I started to feel just so much better. Um, and like all this health stuff just kind of cleared up and I had all, all this energy again. So the astrology can be really like basic and simple like that sometimes, just watching that time Lord move through the Zodiac and just seeing what happens. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling really, really happy to have, have that, that transit through Pisces be over. No offense to Pisces people. I love you all. <laughs> um, no, but for me personally, I, that was it's rough. real. Yeah. That's, um, it's really real. And, uh, yeah, just getting back into my work, getting back on the horse, so to speak, both in like my day job and, and in the astrology world has been a really good feeling. Like it's like that, you know, climbing out of the sick bed and, and, you know, uh, getting back, getting back to the usual swing of things. So, um, yes, yeah, very happy to have the sun in its exaltation for sure. Yeah, that's so I funny that. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead, Charm. <laughs> I was gonna say that's so funny that you say no offense to Pisces, because I'm like one of those very typical Aries people where as soon as February hits, it's like Pisces season starts, and I'm like, oh, it's Aries season soon. It's my birthday soon. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, Pisces season hasn't even begun yet. But yeah. <laughs> Isn't that there's like a meme going around like when it's Cancer season, like Leos are already excited. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Pisces are so rude we can't wait our turn <laughs> i love that no but i just wanted to kind of piggyback off of what rob was saying i mean for leo risings um and then for anyone who's in a leo perfection who has the sun perfected like every season is like your time you know um and i I would guess like aries risings too but especially the the leo and solar people um because I mean, I was I was in my Leo year last year, and Aries season specifically was like huge for me. I was on Good Morning America, you know, during yeah, um, I remember when the sun that. was at <laughs> yeah, and it was like the sun at at the exaltation degree nineteen, which happened to trine my midheaven, and yeah, it was just really um, it was really special, and I was just like, wow, this is so exalted sun as, you know, my time lord right now, all of that. So, yeah, all, everyone out there in a sun perfection um, or all the Leo risings out there, I hope you really soak this, soak, soak up the good rays, you know, because it's a really special time. I think Aries season is is this a special time and whether you're in this hemisphere, northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere, it's like... You know, an exalted sun is definitely something to to take advantage of, I think. Mm-hmm. It's interesting Absolutely. when the, the solar ingress happened, it was the same day that Mercury was conjoined Jupiter, though. Mm-hmm. I think this is why I'm having trouble trying to remember what happened that day. <laughs> um, and just like, I'm like looking at my calendar. I'm like, oh, I didn't write anything. So I don't know actually what happened. Um, but I feel like, yeah, definitely. I'm still kind of in that, like Pis- a lot of the Pisces fog. But uh, it's a really good point that the solar ingress does kind of like in, in its sign of exaltation. But also thinking about Mars being, I guess, in in Aquarius, even though it's really rough there right now. <laughs> um, but I just find like Aquarius and Aries combination is like a lot of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and the sun is just applying to Mars right now. It's applying to to that sextile over the next week or so. So um, I like that. I, I love I love that sort of reception, even if it is Mars and 
in a rough spot. Um, the fact that this exalted sun can see its ruler, I think it's really good for it. Um, <clears throat> and speaking of Aries, um, in just two days, so right before this episode comes out, Mercury will enter Aries and leave the sign of its fall, this messy, messy <laughs> Mercury and Pisces period. Although I have to say, although it's been annoying and messy, I don't think it's been as bad as prior years. No. Um, no. Especially because we got it really quickly this time. It's like two weeks in and out. Yeah. No lunar nodes complicating yeah. things for Mercury Pisces much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm but I love Mercury for, Aries because that's yeah. I was Mercury. gonna say <laughs> it's. I always like rejoice when this time of year comes around and Mercury is about to enter Aries, and even mm-hmm. without like the messy retrogrades that we had mm-hmm. in years prior, um, it's just like yes, yes, yes. Like you're almost done. Get out of fall. You know, get out of the ditch. It's not really a ditch. It's more like a I don't know, like an underground like stream ocean. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like. Mm messy and wet down there and mercury is like i just kind of picture it mercury in pisces this time around with jupiter there like um mercury is like drenched and hates it but jupiter is like come on like it's fun like jupiter's just trying to like (laughs) be like it's cool like we're having fun here right and like you know tripping out and mercury is like i don't like being high you know (laughs) yeah yeah that's it yeah mercury has at least assistance from its ruler right now but one of the things i do love about mercury and pisces and this is just as a transit i mean i love mercury Mercury Pisces in people too, when people have as a natal placement, I think there's some wonderful things to celebrate there. But um, as a transit, I always get excited for Mercury and Pisces because I think people are so candid and it really shows on the socials. Like people just spill the tea and I kind of, I kind of like it. It's a little chaotic. It's a little messy. And some people, um, you know, like we had that experience with Kim Kardashian earlier in the transit where she oh, yeah. was telling people they need to just work harder and people were like, what? So She needs to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll get experiences like that with Mercury and Pisces where it's just like, yeah, what you're saying makes no sense and it kind of <laughs> comes to bite you in the ass a little bit. But overall, I think it's it's a pretty heartfelt transit. I think people have been really sort of letting their guard down and, and letting their feelings out. And that's really refreshing, I think. Mm, yeah. It's that, that truth coming out, but maybe not a truth that people... It's like they're speaking your truth. Like, you should work harder. But that's because Mercury's in its full, it's messed up. It's like that message is not going to be received well or it's going to be misunderstood or it's going to, people are going to be like, why would you say that? And that I think anytime Mercury is in its Sag or Pisces, people will speak that Jupiterian truth to them. And then other people will have a, like a hard time hearing that, or you'll put you, it's like foot in the mouth kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it comes from that place of wanting to just like say what you have on your mind or what's going on and not really thinking through clearly what the, um, you know what how that's going to be received um mm, yeah uh, like not that it's true to like that working hard produces good results because that's definitely not there's so much more going on in the world than just trying really hard um because we know that there's that's just a very privileged thing to to say and to the perspective <laughs> to have but um you know that was what was on her mind she said it 
it comes out and she's like, no, I'm going to really own that. And it's like, no, don't say that. That's digging, terrible. Like, digging herself deeper. Well, it's also, it's remind, <laughs> this is reminding me of like the, um, oh my gosh, I, I feel really ignorant right now um, because I'm, I'm really bad with names and Mercury's and Pisces, but the um, Supreme Court justice hearings that have been, or not hearings, but like the, <clears throat> what do they call it? Oh, gosh. Yeah, the confirmation hearings. The confirmation hearings, yes. Um, and how, I think it was, I forget which Republican <laughs> congressperson <laughs> said this or senator said this, but they basically asked her, like, do you agree with this book that is basically saying that ba- babies are racist? <laughs> Did you guys see that clip? I am no. so not hooked on, I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, it's okay, so... <laughs> We're trying, like, in the U.S., we're trying to, um, by we, I, I mean President Biden and the Democrats, I don't know why I said we, but they're basically trying to get <laughs> this Supreme Court nomination through. Ketanji Brown-Jackson, yeah. Yes. First black woman to be nominated to the Supreme Court. It's, like, a huge deal. She's, like, overly, overly, overly qualified, incredible. Um, and the Republicans, of course, are like asking her these ridiculous questions during the hearings. Like one of one of them asked, like the American people need to know that you don't have like a secret agenda to um, enforce critical race theory into oh like <laughs> the law of the land or something. <laughs> and Gosh. at one point, I think it was Ted Cruz asked her like how to pick like a whole like poster board or something from this like baby's book about race um and was like do you agree that babies can be racist oh my god <laughs> that is wow. like, he's like do you agree with this book that babies can be racist and she literally was just like senator <laughs> and then she like couldn't answer <laughs> she's just like speechless <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's reminding me of that. Just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, this makes no sense. Mercury wow. and Pisces. Mercury and Pisces. Um, I mean, I <laughs> what's interesting, for, I love Mercury Pisces this time around because of Jupiter's co-presence. But mm-hmm. um, because I do so much like natal astrology work, like what I've noticed in my practice is that um, a lot of people are going through like really generative grieving work that's what I've noticed like a lot of the sessions I've experienced the past couple weeks people are sort of there's a lot going on in the world but people are sort of awakening into I guess like taking a lot of responsibility for their pain and grief Mm. and I feel like it 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 was really interesting to notice how people were softening you know despite a lot of desperation that's going on in the zeitgeist. So I really enjoyed Mercury Pisces, I guess, this time around as like a consulting astrologer. And then I guess for me personally, I started a grief literacy certification program. I just did my level two and I'm about to do my level three. And it's been it's been really beautiful, even though I'm kind of, I can relate to you, Kira, because we have very similar life events, but I've kind of been down on the dumps too recently, but... Like yeah. One. Yeah. Rough dark house transits. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another, that's a really great point about <coughs> like, I've heard, I've seen that too. People just talking a little bit more about grief and, and the processing of all of that. Um, one thing for me that comes up often with Mercury and Pisces is this like 
rediscovery of, um, or not, not, maybe not rediscovery, but this like um, pull towards music, art mm-hmm. or music, but music is tends to be a big one for me. Um, and just like remembering music from your past or like revisiting music. Um, for me, it was like right before Mercury went into Pisces, it hit my, my um, lot of arrows. Mm-hmm. And I like r- started listening to Bossa Nova music again randomly. I used to listen to it a lot and just like got hardcore obsessed with like this one song <laughs> and just was like listening to it on repeat over and over and over. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that's like this Mercury and Pisces transit where I'm just like, I need to be like enveloped by the sound and this mm-hmm. Bossa Nova music. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, one of the things that always comes up for me with Mercury and Pisces, especially now that it's, because as we're recording this, it's sort of finishing up with that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction too, Mm -hmm. is that like, I feel, I always feel called back to my spiritual practice in a pretty big way. And I meditated today for the first time in I don't know how long, because I have a baby, so that's harder. But um, it felt really good. And the reason I did it, was because I had a dream. I had a dream that I was meditating and I was like spiraling into my third eye and I woke up like dizzy and I was like, oh my gosh. But yeah, dreams are pretty big for me um, actually. And I've had a lot of people this week tell me that they've seen me in their dream this week. So wow. yeah, very sort of Mercury and Pisces. And this is all your ninth house, right? Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I just always feel a little bit more activated and just more connected to the universe and more connected to other people. And as Charm was saying, like the, the grief processing, I feel like these Pisces transits are really optimal for finding forgiveness and finding like coming full circle with something. Like, of course you have to go through the grief and you have to go through that, but at a certain point you hope to come out the other side And I think that Pisces placements are really great for sort of having that wider lens perspective on on things and realizing that we're all connected in some weird magical way. And I think it's just a little easier to reach. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Yeah, so Mercury and Aries, like, it's such a switch up um, from Mercury and Pisces and I I personally just like love Mercury and Aries. I love it in in a natal chart. Um, it's it's so I mean obviously like direct and I find that Mercury and Aries people talk so quickly and I love that too. Uh, maybe this is a fire sign Mercury thing, but um, yeah. Do you guys have any like reflections <laughs> on Mercury and Aries and um, and that type of that type of energy. I'm excited for all the people who are ruled by Mercury or in Mercury perfections like I am to just not have to deal with it in fall anymore. But I'm excited. We get um, Mercury is going to enter Aries on Sunday, March 27th. And then we get um, the Kazemi on Saturday, April 2nd um, at 13 degrees Aries. So yeah, any, any thoughts about Mercury and Aries? Fire Mercury. That mental clarity will be really refreshing, I think. We've all kind of talked a little bit about feeling like moving through a fog or that mental fog, etc. cetera. Uh, it's gonna be, I think, really uh, a really nice 
switch and um you know in terms of just doing things in the world if you've got like mercurial projects or activities that you're engaged in or that you want to engage in well this will be a period where that will be tend to work out better or be more effective so studying uh any kind of communicating type work technological work uh brain work in general just should be like a great time to initiate stuff or just deepen your existing engagement with that kind of work so yeah i think just that that, that alone is going to be a really nice change once we f feel that mercury shifting into the into the into aries and out of its fall and exile uh it'll still be i think it'll still be a bit of an like kind of in the lab feeling with it being under the beams uh mm -hmm. when it comes out so uh but that should then have that kazemi moment on the 2nd of april which will be a really nice like window of opportunity to really achieve or initiate uh, mercurial things. So I'm certainly hoping to get back into the books and get back into like working through some of the translations and things that I've had on the shelf for a while and haven't like dug into for a month or two. Cause I've been like kind of, yeah, it just hasn't felt right with Mercury moving through Aquarius and then Pisces, obviously not ideal places for Mercury mm -hmm. um, given the current astro. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, looking forward to the Kazemi um, that I was looking up because I was thinking about this, like looking at my notes and stuff, preparing for the, uh, the podcast. And I was looking through some old books to see, like, well, what do people say, talk about Kazemi? You know, what sort of analogies do they use? And the one that keeps coming back is the analogy from like Al-Kabisi and the Bernardi picks it up as well. That, that I, I think it was Ibn Ezra, actually. All these medieval authors talk about it as the, the planet in the heart of the sun is like, it's like someone, like a common person or, you know, raised up to sit on the throne with the ruler. And so there's this moment of just incredible power um, where the, this, planet, this planet is suddenly elevated to this position of authority and has this opportunity to have like the king's ear or the queen's ear, you know, from like a medieval perspective. So all of a sudden, there's just, you, you know, your hands are on the steering wheel in a way that normally aren't. And that's Mercury. So it's going to be, you know, mind things, mental things, communication. And we live in such a mercurial world right now, right? Like with, we're always communicating. We've got technology. We're surrounded by technology. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, it's going to be a really welcome shift. And then we're going to see that Mercury move past the sun and, you know, become an evening star when it eventually emerges and Mercury tends to do better as an evening star than a morning star traditionally. So all in all, it's looking like really positive for mercurial things. And I think if you are like me in a process of study or if you are like, yeah, like I said, doing those kind of mercurial projects, then uh, this is a great time to re-engage with that work and deepen, deepen your relationship with that kind of, those kinds of projects and work. So personally, really looking forward to it myself. Yeah. There's Me such too. a nice um, uh, summary of the condition of Mercury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, think... I. Sorry, I just wanted to say I'm I'm pulling up um, the chart the for the Kazemi um, at thirteen ten, and yeah, I'm I'm writing my book right now, and I have major deadlines <laughs> that I'm like definitely going to be taking advantage of this. 
Yeah. Because you may. Yeah, and we have to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Charm. Sorry, I think for me, this Mercury Aries transit is really interesting because the Mercury Pisces has been so full of being like really in the thick of the sublime and kind of really swimming in a lot of very illusory and fantasy-like waters, which which is also really lovely. But this Mercury Aries journey and having Mars in Aquarius at the same time, I feel like there's definitely a more astute vibe to this to this Mercury, but Mars's like situation <laughs> kind of allows for deeper structuring or just like more integrity or at least like I feel like Mercury Aries can be very quick and you know, sort of intuitive as well in terms of appreciating a whole picture, but sometimes can gloss over a lot of details. But I feel like Mars's, you know, co-presence and impending conjunction with Saturn um, allows for more, uh, I guess, like process as well as um, really thinking things through. So there's just this to me, like coming from a Pisces, like Mercury in Pisces, just sort of like, crying and singing <laughs> and dancing <laughs> and then mercury aries being a bit more like okay time for action but action that's well thought out um mm. as well as uh you know action that actually feels like you're leaning into some kind of courage that maybe was really hard to grasp mm. um in the last couple months um, so, so yeah, that's sort of how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. That's a really great point. I love that. Yeah. And we're going to have to act quickly on this transit too, because mm-hmm. Mercury is now moving at its fastest. So mm-hmm. Mercury is now up to two degrees per day. So we'll really just have two weeks to tap into Mercury and Aries. And I love all the insights you all are sharing on it. The only thing I really would add is that I feel like people... <clears throat> are just like quicker to get to the point when Mercury is in Aries. Think about the opposite sign in Libra. Mercury is just like really careful and thinking there's just like a lot of consideration about how language will be perceived. And then opposite in Aries, it's just very direct, very forthcoming. I noticed through my work behind the chair when I was doing hair, I always would notice like whenever Mercury and Venus were in Aries, people would just say, this is what I want. This is what I hate. And don't do this, but I want this. And they're just very, very direct and confident about what it is that they're expressing. I love that. Yeah. And also with Aries season, really, um, the they're contending with Pluto pretty much. Like, you know, eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like Mercury moving through Aries with like the Pluto stuff overcoming it. Uh, feels very resonant of the whole Venus <laughs> in Capricorn story, yeah. like since November, December, even though Venus has moved on since then. I just feel like it's like a re a rehashing, a remembering of maybe what's been happening since like the end of 2021 uh, mm. as kind of Pluto, you know, Mercury kind of move, moves through a square with Pluto eventually. That's a really good point. Yeah, because it's stationed conjunct Pluto. Um Way back when. <laughs> February. And, yeah. February 2nd, yeah, I think. February 1st. Oh, wow. Just like Venus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Charm, I love what you were saying about, you know, 
these air these planets and areas answering to Mars and Aquarius and how there's just more yes, there's an impulsivity around the Aries planets, but there is more structure. I mean, Mars is working for Saturn and like begrudgingly, you know, working for Saturn and, and um, moving towards that conjunction with it. So yeah, it does seem to be that there, it's more, it's, it, it's very goal oriented, but also it's like, you have to take in, you have to take the entire timeline into account sort of thing. It's not just like, as impulsive um, as it could be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it inspires, I feel like it's idealistic, but it inspires taking responsibility for a lot of people, whether through their personal lives, collectively, communally. I And I'm really seeing that a lot, at least in my algorithm <laughs> discourses, uh, where people are sort of in a space where they're, um, I guess, like being more brave and more declarative about their own, um, positions, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to communicate in a way that, you know, honors like all our adult abilities to appreciate nuance in context, but still be kind of really bravely honest, um, mm-hmm. even with the potential of being, you know, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's always like such an interesting uh, like vibe. But yeah, like what Catherine said, it's so quick, like this is happening so quickly. Um, so it'd be interesting, you know, how that shows up in people's like personal lives, but also in the world stage. Yeah, but totally. also I, I love what you're saying about bringing Mars in Aquarius as like the ruler of these Aries transits that we're having, because I think Mars in Aquarius is really level headed, is really cool. So some of that Aries fire is sort of tamed or contained a little bit with that cool headed, more objective approach of of Aquarius. And, you know, Aquarius represents, um, you know, Aquarius energy is well thought out. There's a lot of consideration and there's a lot of confidence and a strong stance behind the conviction of whatever Aquarius is sort of holding on to. So I think that that sort of levels and contains and helps sort of direct some of that Aries current. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Speaking of Aquarius, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about what's going on there right now. (laughs) Um, We have Venus under besiegement, um, sitting in between, or not sitting, but moving between Mars and Saturn. Um, Venus Venus and Mars made a conjunction at zero degrees Aquarius. I don't remember the date, (laughs) but it happened. And um, then she finally, like, you know... um, surpassed Mars and has just been like steadily moving towards Saturn. So that, um, that conjunction finally happens on Monday, the 28th, when, when this episode comes out and, um, the moon's going to roll through that conjunction that same day. And Juno is also a, a part of that conjunction. So this all happens at 21 degrees of Aquarius. We get moon, Venus, Saturn, and Juno all, um, coming together and I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in this, you know, especially for people who um, might have, might be like Leo risings and have Aquarius in the seventh or um, maybe have Venus in Aquarius or maybe Saturn, um, you know, ruling the seventh, Venus ruling the seventh. I'm really curious about this relationship wise for folks, because to me, it feels like it could be this very like, 
um, definitive moment in terms of like, let's make this official, you know, um, or yeah, like let's, or let's not do this anymore at all, (laughs) which could also be, you know, Saturn can, can definitely speak to that as well. But to me, it feels, it it just feels like commitment. And when I think Mm -hmm. about Venus and Saturn and their interplay together, how, um, you know, Saturn exalts in Venus's sign and both of their preferred domicile, or not preferred domiciles, but um, their their domiciles trying each other's, and you know Saturn and Venus both have a decan um, in each other's signs, and so I I think there's some affinity there, and the fact that they're kind of coming together with Juno, um, yeah, I think it can be something having to do with commitments, um, long term commitments, especially relationally, um, of course. It's also going to be square at the bendings, you know, square the mm-hmm. nodes at the bendings. Mm-hmm. So that kind of adds this whole other piece to the puzzle. But before we talk about the squares to the nodes, um, I'm curious if you guys have anything to to add about the besiegement um, and then also this conjunction coming up. Mm. Yeah, that Venus, Saturn. So I think, yeah, Venus and Mars have been doing that that dance back and forth together and Venus is finally moving to escape that but before it can say goodbye to Mars it has to overcome or like encounter this this Saturn in its own sign this powerful Saturn so I think Venusian themes have been really fascinating and <clears throat> pardon me particularly for people who are in a you know who have a Venus ruled rising sign or they're in a Venus perfection year I I'm fascinated to to, to know like how how they've been experiencing all these malefic uh transits right now um I feel like that Venus, I think a lot of what you said is exactly what I would say, Kira, about the Venus-Saturn encounter in terms of, like, well, think about Saturn keywords. Like, I like the R words, like responsibility, respect, realism. Those are, like, some of my favorite keywords for Saturn. So relationally, yeah, there'll be, you know, examine your relationship from a more realistic perspective or bringing responsibility into your relationship or, um, you know, how, how, like bringing a yeah it might be a con- confronting moment or it might be a moment of like deepening and more authenticity mm-hmm. into that relationship as well um and if you have like venusian plans or activities things like that that you're engaged in that's a relationship whether that's artwork or some of the other traditional venus you know things <laughs> uh then that might this might be a moment of really strengthening that but also like deepening it might be something where you, yeah, you have to um, confront uh, an obstacle. You may have to abandon something. Sometimes Saturn can mean like saying no to something, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, on the other hand, it can be like a committing mm-hmm. and that strengthening. I feel like Saturn's so important in relationship astrology and sinistry and things like that because it does talk about, yeah, committing uh, and uh, and having that backbone that that can overcome difficult difficult times so uh yeah i don't have anything more structured than that to sort of to 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 say but um i'm not sure this is necessarily going to be a bad thing because saturn is receiving venus into its own sign and that reception Mm -hmm. always takes the edge off a little bit Mm -hmm. if saturn was in a a sign that it doesn't rule it's going to be behaving more more problematically let's say (laughs) and that and that conjunction with venus might be something that's more difficult but I feel like there's an opportunity here for the more positive sides of Saturn to come out because it isn't in its domicile. So, yeah, those like the positive aspects of Saturn, like responsibility, respect, etc., 
might come mm-hmm. through. So um, relationally, yeah, if you have someone in your life that you're, you know, uh, fond of, this might be a moment of commitment or, or of deep, deep respect for that person. You might want to honor that person in a very like tangible way, like a, like a real way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm fascinated to hear what other people have to say though, because that's such a, it's a rare condition for Venus to be so, have so much contact with malefic planets for so long. Um, so I'm fascinated to hear what the others have to say about it and the bendings too, because that's not a concept that I'm, I have done much research or reading about. Mm-hmm. So interested to hear what others have to say for sure. Yeah. I mean, what I have to contribute to this is I was thinking a lot about the hot spot of like that 21 to 23 degrees Aquarius where <coughs> a lot of the conjunction with Saturn is going to take place. And I thought about the third phase or the third decan. I, I don't know how you say it. Decan? Decan. Decan. Yeah. Decan of Aquarius. Um, and Austin Kopic talked about it as being Donat. And, and when I was looking at that it's like oh this this part of aquarius that the third decan of aquarius is so much about departure so actually what robert was talking about you know this is like departure um from a place of like deep frustration uh in a sense that what is like a confrontation of what's really not working anymore and from that place you have to like take a leap of faith somehow to go into the unknown, uh, but to also in a way be like, yeah, I can't continue this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, when I think about Venus, like Venusian themes, it's really playing out on the world stage for sure. Uh, But it's interesting to definitely for folks to observe this, how it's showing up in their life relationally, (coughs) even conversations around standards of beauty, for example, creative practices. Uh, When I think about Venus on the bendings, um, that's something I'm born with. Same. (laughs) And I think this uh, this Venus at the bendings is towards the south node. So I feel like that purging, departure, uh, leaving things behind that are no longer workable is really prominent as a theme but I think also just around our um the ways in which when I think of Venus at the bendings towards the south node it's like the ways in which we get really stuck and stagnant in like um situations or or states of being that maybe kind of like pushes the agenda of avoidance right like it's sort of like oh yeah this is this is comfortable this is this is something I'm familiar with even though I'm suffering deeply Uh, but I feel like this moment kind of awakens us a little bit into like okay maybe I can't like keep living this way so Mm -hmm. that's sort of how I've been interpreting it Mm -hmm. it's it's not easy it's been kind of disgusting actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. Venus malefic enclosure. It's such a feature of my solar return chart because mm. um, Venus is my time lord coming up. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a friend, one of my best friends here in Los Angeles um, is a Taurus rising. And she was just texting me right before this being like, girl, I can't take this besiegement anymore because, you know, it's in her, it's in her, um, her 10th and she's currently like in another state working like helping she works in coffee so she's like training a whole team and at the same time she's running a startup too so she's like 
working constantly all day, drinking <clears throat> coffee, and then afterwards, like, working all night on her startup, and it's just been constant, nonstop, all month since the besiegement started. Um, and I feel for her. And she's just like, it's rough. It's really rough. But it's it's just hard work. All the Venusians... Mm. Um, are just in this spot. And she literally said, she's like, I feel like I'm, she didn't say stuck between a rock and a hard place, but she essentially said that. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, I hear you. I hear you. I'm I'm not a Venusian per se. Um, and that doesn't rule, it doesn't rule in my angles, but um, it rules my third house and I'm trying to write this book and it's been hard. I'll, t- I'll say that. <laughs> The hard work theme. Yeah, I have an angular yeah. Venus, so being feeling sexy and desirable has been really tough. Yeah. Um, especially, I think for Venusian people, that is so life affirming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the with Saturn's co-presence here, it it kind of really makes you think a lot about the longevity of that state of being. You know, like thinking mm. a lot about um, beyond beyond just like that superficialness of what what beauty means it feels kind of deeper like spiritual but also beyond age in a sense Uh, but it's hard work for sure yeah i think um the venusian theme has been really big for us this year because we started the year with the venus retrograde and we were reconsidering a lot of our venusian topics in our relationships finances how we spend our time etc And I just feel like it's just perpetual Venus themes ever since. And then, yeah, we had the the double conjunction with Mars and here we are again. And I think that Venus's alignment with Saturn is going to be so, so important because it's going to bring a lot of clarity to the story. Whatever has been sort of unfinished or unclear up to this point, I think one of the gifts of Saturn and Aquarius is, is clarity. And yeah, I I mean, there could be some important decision making. There could be just, and and the other thing too with Saturn clarity is that it's not always the clarity that you're hoping for. It's not always the clarity that you want to hear, but it's something that you need to hear. And I think that this will be so helpful because wherever we have the fixed signs in our chart, or if we have a lot of fixed planets, Fixed planets take a long time to decide on what it is that they want to do. They take a really long time to be confident about their course of action. So I think that Venus's conjunction to Saturn, it's this moment we've all been sort of waiting for. And I think that we're going to have a lot of that important, really definitive, like, okay, well, these are the facts. This isn't working. This is where we need to pull back or slow down, or we don't have the the time or the energy or the resources to do it. Or yeah, even in relationships, I, I agree with what you all have been saying about DTR, like let's define the relationship. Or I think Venus's conjunctions with Saturn or really any hard aspect are really those moments of checking in with those relationships, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone you are pals with or respect. It's very often a check in and it's like, yeah, this is something we need to work on or this is something I want to see improvement on or I want to see us do better in this way. So it's not fun work, but it's constructive and it's supportive work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially with Juno there, who is just like 
very much wants to define the relationship. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know if it's because I have Juno conjunct Saturn natally, but, um, and I've also been diving really deep into Greek myths over the past month. Um, so it's on my mind, but yeah, I feel like Juno deeply craves equal partnership and I think that's something that both Saturn and Venus also are like very much about as yeah. well. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what will come of that. I wonder, you know, if we'll get some nice proposals <laughs> and and things like that. Because um, that is, you know, it's the end of the besiegement after after that conjunction. And I really do picture it as like Venus has sort of just been like climbing up the mountain and, and you know, preparing for this meeting with Saturn. <laughs> Um, and yeah, after that, it's just like just a week or so left before it enters, um, Pisces and gets to really be exalted. So it's kind of like a, a big test for all the Venusians out there. Um, and soon, soon enough, um, it's not, yeah, it's going to be like April 9th or something. You get to be exalted and no longer under under besiegement, yeah. which I'm excited about for the Venusians. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to add too about Venus at the bendings of the nodes is that it's a significant choice. So everything mm. sort of leading up to this moment, we're making some pretty important choices because Venus has been taking her time through Capricorn and Aquarius. And so now it's the important choice whether we're going to keep sustaining what we're committed to or whether we're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> Just because again, with the natal Venus at the bendings, I have it exactly at the bendings, um, Same. natally. And it's like, yeah, at the, you know, at the South, um, to the South node too. And it just feels like I'm constantly in that space of like, making a choice and not knowing what to do, you know? Well, um, the good thing about being at the bendings toward the South is that you can only go up. You can only go up from here. Right. That's true. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Venus hits the bendings on Wednesday, March 30th. Um, and then on the 31st, we get an Aries new moon at 11 degrees of Aries. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stoked about that. I mean, I have an Aries moon natally, so, um, I like, I like the Aries new moon. It's pretty close to my natal moon too, but yeah, I mean, thinking for me, I'm really excited about that because we get both lights, both kind of sources of consciousness or perception, you could say, um, aligned in, in Aries in the sign of the sun's exaltation. So again, this just feels like more clarity coming. Um, and of course with a new moon and 11th houses, we'll talk more about this in our new moon gathering, um, that day, but yeah, with the new moon, you get this seed planting energy, you know, it's like, wherever that is in your chart, wherever Aries is in your chart, you get to say, okay, I'm going to plant a seed here um, and watch it grow for the next, you know, six months, year, year and a half, however long. Um, at this point, we get, yeah, that, that new moon happens on the 31st. And then a couple of days later, about four days later, Mars comes to the conjunction with Saturn um, and so, and then, you know, it's also at the bending. So there's that 
kind of caveat to this new moon, I think, is that it's being ruled by this really, this Mars in like an increasingly difficult position. <laughs> um, but yeah, curious about you guys' thoughts around this Aries new moon. I'll pull up the chart too. Mm. I was thinking <laughs> about the, uh, the new moon. Because one thing I've been learning digging into these medieval books is uh, there's this undercurrent in a lot of the old astrology about the new and full moons as this, uh, uh, I don't know, this important background to everything else that happens in astrology, you know, like that's kind of like the base layer. So some of the old books talk about how like, you know, if you've got a horary chart, one thing you could look at is, well, what was the last new or full moon? And like what was happening with the moon at that time. And that gives you like extra information to like the background of what's happening. And similarly with electional astrology, they also say, go and check out the most recent new or full moon and see what was happening. And that gives you like an additional like layer of, to like consider with your election. And I think, you know, and then there's also natal astrology. They say that, that prenatal syzygy, the prenatal lunation, whatever they call it is like really important for like Hellenistic and early medieval astrology as well. Like you pull up that chart and that's personal for you as well. Like if it's, if we're looking at it from the natal perspective. So um, I was thinking about this, this new moon in Aries. It's interesting because the, the very next thing the moon does, that's always like the most important thing from this perspective of new and full moons is like, what's the next thing the moon's doing? And that kind of sets the tone for the next two weeks. And it's nice to see that it's going to sex style Mars, that's the mm -hmm. very next aspect it makes. And it's in Aries, so it's received. So that's kind of looks good for Mars things, but then there's that also that other layer that you mentioned, Kira, which is that Mars itself is, you know, being dominated by this Saturn at the moment. It's in Saturn's home, Saturn's right there, and Mars is having to like conform to that Saturnian way. Um, so, <laughs> I do think like for this period, like of course Mars is malefic, et cetera, et cetera, but it's because it's received and this is a sextile aspect to Mars. Do you feel like this might be a good period for, you know, more positive or constructive Mars themes? So courage, bravery, uh, taking on a challenge, approaching things with energy, diving into something new, those kinds of uh, things. But with that Saturnian thing going on as well, approaching those matters with realism and respect and responsibility, the three R's, <laughs> the three Saturnian R's, um, will probably make those things work out a lot better. So have courage, but also be realistic, you know, mm -hmm. like have energy, but also like be responsible with how you're, how you're engaging. Like there's a, it's an interesting combo Mars and Saturn together. It can be like really, <clears throat> it can be really like uh, constructive definitely mm -hmm. because Mars needs I think some Saturnian wisdom sometimes like, you know, we don't that's want to necessarily. That's exalt Saturn sign. So yeah. 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 That's it. Hey, uh-huh. Um, so I feel like having more strategy, maybe that's a good Saturn keyword is like strategy mm. to how you approach these martial things. So yeah, have courage, but use your brain and like be responsible about how you're approaching these things. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think it's a good time to initiate or like deepen uh, Mars themes and topics. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you're into like working out, if you haven't been to the gym for a little while, might be a good time to re-engage that kind of thing, you know, or 
Um, yeah, like other, like approaching a challenge perhaps might be a good time to take on something that you're afraid of. Mm. I know we all suffer from a bit of like, especially in this modern world where we're so overwhelmed with, with things. Like sometimes we have those emails we've left unread or we have that task that we haven't done, that bill that we haven't, that letter we haven't opened or whatever because... Are you talking just... to me specifically? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> so, like have that you seen the pile of mail on my counter? Or <laughs> I have one too. Like it's out of shot right now, but if I don't want to deal with something, I put it in my little pile. And this might be a good time to like attack that pile. You know, mm, that's, that's good my thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, worth it to note that this new moon is also conjunct Chiron mm. at 12. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, those are all great points. I love, I love that you made the point that, yeah, Mars and Saturn together can actually be really constructive um, if approached correctly. And I think just like you said, like taking action, but having forethought and making sure you're like, you're thinking about things in the long term and not necessarily just like what's right in front of you um, is really important. And it's hard with them at the bendings because the bendings, it's kind of this weird, funky place to me. It's almost like, I don't know. I think of like the Bermuda triangle or something like to me, the bendings are this place where planets get really confused about where what direction they're oriented in and like what time even is it's like everything gets very warped at the bendings bendy at the bendings you could say <laughs> it's like funhouse mirrors um but it's like yeah the confusion can be difficult and it can kind of be you know where am i putting what is this the right thing to put my effort towards or not um so yeah it can be confusing but i think I think it could also be really constructive, like you yeah. said. And what you were saying. Oh. I think a lot of the, sorry, <laughs> I think a lot of the bendings, just to add to your bendings point, I think a lot of the planets in the bendings is like, they're like the crisis managers. Because I think of the lunar nodes as like crisis points in any mm. chart, like mm. in an event chart or person's chart. And the the planets in the bendings almost function like they're they're there to answer to the crisis mm. in, in a sense that they become instrumental to actually figure out how to how to balance and manage that opposition and that tension. And so it's interesting to kind of watch Venus be there and then Mars also be there um in in terms of that but i'll add my new moon point but go ahead Kathy. yeah i was just gonna pity, piggyback on what kira was saying about just like feeling like not sure about which direction to go and how that makes so much sense being in an air sign of aquarius and just thinking about i love what you said rob about how that can be a constructive way to work with mars to maybe find a way over a hurdle or work our way through some sort of block but I think, too, some people will probably experience that sense of being stuck and what mm. do I do? <laughs> and it's so interesting because the Aries new moon wants us to take action, wants us to take initiative. And yet we have this thing that's sort of keeping us stuck that we have to tend to perhaps. Um, and yeah, and the thing that I wanted to just segue that into the Chiron conjunction is that I think that the new moon conjunct Chiron is really highlighting this Chiron in Aries story that we're all experiencing. And something that's really been popping into my mind is how powerful it can be to reclaim your story. 
and to sort of take a moment and rewrite your story, even if it's just mentally. Um, Because we all have a Chiron. We all have that wound that never fully closes, no matter how much work we do or how much we learn or how much wisdom we accumulate. And I think that that sense of having that Mars Saturn, that stuckness, maybe a way that we could think about moving that energy that keeps us back when we want to go forward is how can we reframe our story in a way that feels more victorious by maybe focusing on the things that we have overcome and the things that we have accomplished in spite of it all. That's so beautiful. Wow. I forgot I was <laughs> muted. Yeah. No, that is really beautiful and, and so true. Um, I feel like, yeah, both luminaries kind of passing over Chiron is very much like a spotlight on the wound, right? It's like you can't really ignore it when both lights are there. Um, but we have to, like, that that's that's necessary sometimes to kind of be reminded mm-hmm. of those sort of core wounds so that we can move forward with, you know, recognizing it, acknowledging them and, and their, the, the place that they have in our stories, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. I love all of your reflections on this new moon. The one thing I'll, I'll just add is that by tarot correspondence, it's, it's signified by the three of wands. And when I think about this moon before, you know, the balsamic moon before it becomes new, it conjoins Mercury and then and then it's new and then, you know, goes towards Mars. But I, it makes me think a lot of the three of wands as like, you know, picking up momentum. And it's also prophetic in a sense, especially with that Mercury on its way to become Kazemi eventually. Mm-hmm. So it feels like there's a lot of um, optimism available with this new moon that feels like, uh, uh, you know, a sense of moving forward even without clarity or tangible form, there's still some sense of intuitive foresight available. So it feels prophetic to me, particularly when I think a lot about Mercury's journey as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, all of your reflections about Mars and uh, the need for for structure uh, to kind of make these things happen as well. Yeah, Venus will be out of besiegement at that point, and Mercury is so close to the luminaries there too. Um, it does feel that way prophetic, and, and to me, like going to see the oracle and just like getting some clarity, even if it hurts, you know, um, even if it is a little like you wince a little bit. Um, the clarity is so necessary, and again, with it being applying both both luminaries applying to mars and aquarius it's like that kind of just underscores that sort of like being able to to see clearly and um to see with perspective um kind of i when i think of aquarius i think of like bird's eye view perspective and kind of seeing the big picture and being detached enough from it to like you know think rationally um and make make decisions from that that place of rationality. Um, Cause yeah, at this point it's like only Jupiter and, and, and Neptune left in water signs um, once we get there. And so, and they can't really, they can't see anything that's happening <laughs> with the new moon. So yeah, it's like still a party in Pisces, but um, it's not really a party until Venus gets no, there. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, we yeah, have I think our, I think one oh, thing we ahead. haven't actually said about Mars in Aquarius this whole time is that Mars being in Aquarius with Saturn is actually very organized. Mm. I feel like it's it's um, strategic and organized in that way. And I think the, the part of the Saturnian detachment sometimes is really necessary in order to make certain things happen for the bigger collective. Mm-hmm. Like that it's not just about you or that one person. Yeah, mm. very much so. Yeah. Um, oh, Venus enters Pisces on the 5th. I don't know why I thought it was like the 9th. Okay, so <laughs> I have it written right here. So yeah, we have um, we have the sun, both, both luminaries hitting Chiron between the 31st and the 1st. Um, the sun hits Chiron on, on April 1st. And no, that's not an April Fool's joke. It's actually <laughs> happening. Um, <laughs> Saturday on the second, we get the Mercury direct Kazemi. And as you stated before, Catherine, this is like Mercury at its fastest. Mm-hmm. When Mercury or Venus is conjunct the sun and direct, it's, well, any planet, I, I should say, conjunct the sun and direct, it's, they're at their fastest. Mm-hmm. It's like they're moving at their quickest pace. Um, which is, again, if you think about Mercury and, you know, the houses it rules, the areas of life it rules for you. And if you're a mercurial, um, you know, if it rules your first house, like things are going to be moving pretty quickly, right? Like you're going to probably feel like the pace is picking up. Um, and the fact that it's in a fire sign, like exacerbates that even more. Um, and then we get, on Monday, April 4th, Mars is going to conjunct Saturn. I think it's at 22. I know that actually because it's exactly square my natal Mars and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's happening. Um, and we've been kind of slowly marching towards that. We last had our Mars-Saturn conjunction at um, zero degrees of Aquarius in 2020. It was April Right, I think it was Beginning like of April. first March couple of days of April. Okay, March thirty first, yeah, twenty twenty, and you know, for me, this is my twelfth house, and the experience I remember, um, I just remember being so scared. I just remember like I couldn't get off the couch. I slept in the couch for days. I was living with my parents um, at the beginning of pandemic. I was supposed to move to yeah. LA on March seventeenth, yeah. and the pandemic hit. And I was really, really scared, mostly that my parents were going to get COVID or that I secretly had COVID and didn't know it. And, you know, I was going to kill my family, basically. Like, um, yeah, I was I just remember being terrified and also just thinking like, okay, this is like the end of the world, you know, (laughs) like it was just such a scary time. And kind of what got me through it even was just being like, Kira, this is your 12th house. You're just it's just like anxiety, right? Like this isn't necessarily real or true or tangible. I mean, of course it was not to sit, I'm talking about the fear, not COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> COVID is obviously very real, but, um, but yeah, the fears that I had of like, you know, my whole family catching COVID and shit. Um, but I will say, and that happened on, that was my Saturn return. My, my Saturn's at one Aquarius. So that conjunction happened on my natal Saturn this one's happening exactly square. My little Mars, malefic, malefic fun times. Um, but what I will say is that um, it 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 really the fear brought me so much closer to my spirituality than I had been in a really long time. And I started, you know, regular planetary prayers around that time. And 
I just started doing a lot more, um, yeah, a lot more spiritual work, a lot more magic work just to like for protection basically. Um, and you know, Mars rules my ninth house. It's in my ninth house natally. So it has a lot to do with my astrology practice and my magic practice and all of that. And so I'm curious to see what comes up with this one, but, um, but yeah, think back to that, you know, March 31st, April 1st, two years ago at the very start of this whole new world that we're now living in. Um, and it's interesting to think about like that was the beginning and here we are two years later and like what this next conjunction might mean. Um, but yeah, curious if, about you guys' thoughts or reflections on that. I think for me, it's so much about intellectual and cognitive ways of coping, especially when I think about that time two years ago and where we are today. Uh, so it's kind of actually interesting retrospective to think of what has happened in the past two years. But uh, this new beginning cycle, I guess, between Mars and Saturn, for sure, it makes me think a lot about how we want to be really present and aware, I guess, from... from uh, information context, you know, sort of like being uh, uh, well informed <laughs> in order to to actually um, guide the actions that we take from the, from that, and that's and and I think it shows how I cope too, because at the time I think what I ended up doing was like like hardcore research and you know thinking a lot about. Um, what I need to know in order to protect myself and my community. And, and I think even from there, you know, it started a lot of discussions just around how we socialize, especially during that really trying times uh, where uh, there was so much scarcity and lack and fear, for sure. I think Mars and Saturn's conjunction this time makes me think a lot about how we want to marinate and stew on things and let a lot of what we learn really kind of settle um, deeply and, and, and in a way be very deliberate and intentional about the action that we take from that place of deep learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Totally, especially in regards to like the collective and our communities mm -hmm. um, with it being an Aquarius, that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that Mars just sort of energized Saturn in that case where... Saturn in Aquarius, I mean, that's been just like a definitive symbol for social distancing. And so I'm th I'm wondering that with this two-year cycle being completed, but it's still in Aquarius and it won't be in Aquarius next time. So this is the last time we have this Mars-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. I'm curious about, because every it seems like a lot of, at least here in the United States, a lot of a lot of states are changing the general protocols and I'm sure that's happening elsewhere in the world too. So I'm wondering if it's just like a re-energizing around what, what are the precautions that we need to take going forward and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that that, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens, but you know, I'm never going to look at a Mars Saturn conjunction the same ever again. I feel like this has been imprinted and this is something I'm going to be watching for in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um well, there's 
There's just one more thing I want to talk about um, to kind of like lift us up a little bit at the end of this, which is Venus entering Pisces um, on on April 5th. Um, and we won't talk about it too much because we will talk about it more on the next Venusian afternoons. But um, again, you Venusians out there, um, the Taurus and Libra risings, you're finally going to get your time. <laughs> um <laughs> Because, yeah, you guys have been putting, you guys have been put through it, you know, with the Venus retrograde, conjunct Pluto all the, all the times, all the times it conjunct Pluto, and then, um, and then being besieged and just kind of being in Saturn's domain for many, many, many months, um, not only entering exaltation, but entering exaltation with Jupiter, um, <clears throat> there. I, I've been talking about Pisces as a hot tub, Jupiter's hot tub, um, psychedelic fun party hot tub. And I think, I really do think that when Venus joins, like that's when the party starts. Like that's really when the Pisces goodness begins. What do you guys think? Yeah. I really do see it as, yeah, a celebratory transit, especially with Jupiter there. Of course, there's all those Piscean connotations and associations with you know, yeah, psychedelics and, um, yeah, mind altering, <laughs> you know, uh, and then Venus moves in and, you know, Venus is definitely the life of the party, right? Um, it's the planet of, of, you know, joy and pleasure and all those good things. So yeah, I was struck by how both inner planets, Mercury and Venus right now, where we're at with the astrology is a p- process of moving, past really difficult stuff and into a period of like relief for both Mercury and Venus. And I think it's going to be, this is like a season of like a real transition out of difficult things for these two planets and into spaces that are much more functional and welcoming for them than, than they've been experiencing recently. Um, of course I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I'm getting married under this, under this transit. So I've been really looking forward to Venus moving into Pisces and then eventually, of course, conjoining the ruler. That's probably for another podcast in the future, Kira. But um, yeah, I see this as like a celebratory time or a time of relief, you know. Um, I guess the only thing I would add to that sort of rejoicing quality to this transit is like, of course, Jupiter is a planet that blows things up and makes things big and increases and, you know, likes to expand and with Venus in exaltation, there might be a risk of excess. There might be a risk of, you know, just going a bit too far, like jumping too much into the deep end, to use like a watery metaphor. So, um, you know, watch out for that. Watch out for that. I mean, I don't think it's maybe is there, yeah, there is such thing as too much of a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's making me uh, think of like the festivals coming up. I know Coachella's coming up in, in April and, and, you know, festival season is here. Um, or is, is, yeah, it's pretty much here. And I'm thinking about that and the overdoing aspect. And especially when it comes mm. to drugs and partying. And yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I hate to be that boring, like, 40-year-old guy. It's like, everything in moderation, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, uh, Saturn but, is still in Aquarius, you know? Saturn's yeah. still in domicile, so yeah. Uh-huh. It's Saturn hour out here, and I'm being... Oh, actually, I think I might have passed now, but yeah, I'm being the Saturnian voice in this. <laughs> but, um, no, it's important yeah. to note, because I think that's something that people have, um, you know, talked about even with Jupiter and Pisces, you know, people who have been sober, like finding it a little bit more difficult, um, with Jupiter Mm -hmm. being in Pisces or yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it to note for sure. Cause it is a lot of a good thing when we have both benefics, um, both super dignified, you know, Mm -hmm. in the same sign. Spiritual stuff as well. Like let's not forget that Jupiter is traditionally the ruler of like spirituality and religion and like traditions of faith, you know? And so Jupiter's already just so strong in Pisces and it's coming up to Neptune. So there's like mysticism mm-hmm. is a theme. I know, Catherine, you were talking earlier about like deepening some of your spiritual practices. I've also been experiencing that. And I wonder whether Venus moving into uh, Pisces and, and meeting up with the, the kind of the ruler of faith, you know, might be a great time as well to engage in like meditation yeah. or prayer, or whatever your practice is, whatever your, your faith tradition is. Um yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Saturnian. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I think it should be, it might be a really great time spiritually as well as in terms of just like having fun. Yeah. Uh, we can, we can, yeah, really dig into our, our spiritual side, our mystical side. Yeah. Actually, I feel like Venus in Pisces is the meme that's like moisturized, lubricated, happy and flourishing yeah. in my lane yeah <laughs> it's a very lubricated venus <laughs> finally after a, such a long dry spell yes. Yes. yeah yeah right we had Drink our last venusian afternoons that we were talking about dry ass pussy and this venus <laughs> this venus besiegement so yeah we're definitely looking into like you know Lots of moisture. I'll just say yes. that. Yes. Yeah, especially after the retrograde and then being in the Saturnian signs. Not that ve- not that we have an issue with Venus and Capricorn. We like that. But the conditions of it, the retrograde and everything. So, yeah, this is like, this is Venus's moment. This is the party. She's able to be in a place where she can be more comfortable. <clears throat> and um, one of the things I, I love about Venus and Pisces is I feel like, Venus is more generous and more receptive to other people. And one of the images that comes to my mind, especially with Jupiter and Neptune in Pisces, is just like an open palm where we're ready to receive, but also offer something on the altar, perhaps, where it's definitely a more devotional placement. And I think that that can show up in a way that is also really platonic or really romantic where we're just more generous and more giving and more maybe attentive to creating magic in our relationships. And, um, the other thing, just to quickly piggyback on what Rob was saying about the devotion, um, one of the friends of the podcast, Oscar Moises Diaz, he just made a, or they Mm -hmm. just made a post on how on Twitter about how Venus actually has a lot of connections to um, like ritual from ancient texts. And I was meditating on that and just thinking about how um, Venus has a lot to do with music and 
having domicile in the air element, there's something about chanting and the sound current and bringing that full circle to the festival. Like, let's get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And dancing too, like the dancing, the the joy, the fun aspect of ritual. Um, I'm going to be talking about that this weekend. I'm doing a I'm doing a talk called Signatures of a Witch's Birth Chart. And I'm like, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that. But that's a really great point as well. Um, I just want to say one last thing about this, this pileup that we're heading towards in Pisces with Venus, Jupiter, and Neptune. You know, I've been kind of thinking a lot about cults. Um, and one, there's been this, there's this TikTok cult. There's, sorry, a dance TikTok cult. And it's like these people that are in this cult and they're just like, make these like, they're dancers and they make these like really intense TikTok dances. And I'm curious if something else is going to come up around these cults, um, especially that one during that time. So I'm just putting that Easter egg in and maybe in two weeks I'll follow up on it when we talk more about Venus and Pisces. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a dance TikTok cult out there and it's really creepy. There's a lot of creepy cults, you know, coming up. And that was something I've kind of been predicting about this year with extreme Aquarius and extreme Pisces and yeah, just, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But even in the entertainment (laughs) right now, there's such a fixation on documentaries like bad vegan or Mm the, the scammer ones, the scammer documentaries. Yeah. What was it? The something swindler? What is it? Tinder, Tinder swindler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's so true. Yeah. The, yeah. There's a lot of cult like behavior that I think even transcends the word cult now. Mm. And it's very polarizing in all contexts, actually. Um, something is visible, I guess, online, but I feel like a lot of them are happening on the ground. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, stay tuned. We'll talk more about cults in the next Venetian <laughs> afternoons. Um, but for now, we have to wrap it up. This was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Kira. This has been great. Um, yeah, do you want to go around and tell the people where they can find you? Um, Rob, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, you can find uh, my website. It's at... Um, oldschoolastrology.com um, and I have my blog there which I intend to write more in. I always say that and I never do. I think it's like Mercury and Sag problem. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I want to do this but can I? Um, and and then I'm also like quite active on Twitter still like for better or worse. <laughs> um, so you can you can find me on Twitter at, at oldschoolastro. Uh, yeah. And well, you'll be announcing the course at some point. Yeah, that's right. I've been really blessed to be working with legendary astrologer Chris Brennan. Um, and we're putting together this course on horary that um, I'm going to, you know, God willing, fingers crossed, et cetera, I'll be hosting on his on his website, Astrology School. So that's very awesome. excited about that. Um, but uh, there's still so much more to do. We're really only in the early planning stages. So I don't want to get people's hopes up too much like just just watch this space basically so cool cool Cool. and yeah i'm going to try to get you guys on once once you're in a better place to talk more about it so tbd um but yeah thank you Catherine. Uh, let's see. I have my website katherineurban.com that's katherine with a c urban with a u 
and you can find blog posts, you can find, um, that's where you can book a reading with me. And other than that, I'm on all platforms at Astro Catherine and I regularly put out YouTube videos. I share them on Instagram. Twitter is more for banter for me. I don't really self-promote on Twitter. That's just like my community space, I feel. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about how you can find me. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And Charm. Yes, I am at charmastrology.com. And I do write on my blog. I write monthly horoscopes for a Canadian publication, Chatelaine. I'm one of the contributing writing astrologers for CUS, which is Kira's co-founded app, and also Chani's. So I do I do write uh, content on Instagram. I'm at Charm Astrology, and and on my website is where you can find me to book consultations as well. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Thank you, 11th Housers, for joining us. Um, always a pleasure. And we'll talk to you all again in two weeks at the next one. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Great episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I really, really enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. And I hope you're as excited about Aries season as I am. Um, and the upcoming transits and yeah, looking forward to some relief. Um, again, make sure you're following us. I know I just said I'm not relying so much on social media, but it's still really helpful to follow us and you get cute little snippets of, um, you know, the shows and it's also a great way to let us know what you think about each episode and to show us some support sharing our posts on social is super helpful and it helps other people find, um, that the podcast. So definitely do that. We super appreciate it. Um, follow us at the astrology show and I'm at the astrology. Um, of course, rating us five stars, writing us reviews, liking, subscribing, wherever you listen is also super helpful. Um, and yeah, see you again with the next one. Super excited to share the rest of the season with you. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.